Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside the famous Mr. Joe Aiken, here for another compelling conversation about trees. Joe, it's so beautiful. We've got a storm on the way, sweeping across the country. I just walked the dog and felt like I was being followed by a mountain lion because there's been mountain lion sightings and destruction around town. It's a crazy winter, man. How how are you? How are things back in Michigan? That's pretty exciting, Corey. I wish we had mountain Well, I think someone says we have mountain lions in Michigan, but I, I think it's more like a um, lynx or a bobcat, little baby things. But everything is good. Uh, the snowstorm that you're playing with is on its way to Michigan. And I was thinking before we started recording, every time I say, hey, I'm going up north, does, there, does any other state say that? Because in Michigan, everybody, you know, 95% of the people live in the metro Detroit area and everybody's vacation or cabin or property is up north. So we say, hey, I'm going up north this weekend. So I'm in my northern property, which is three hours north of Detroit, hours south of Mackinac Bridge. So I'm in the middle of the woods right now. So how does it get any better? You know, I did my loops. Um Met a few people, which kind of is going to lead us into tonight's topic. But other than tree care, we get to do a lot of pretty cool things. And um, most of the listeners know that I'm a huge advocate of the history of arboriculture with the museum and the foundation. So I met a guy that Sharp is a professional filer of crosscut saws. We might have talked about Dan. He got me and found me another saw. It's a seven foot Simon from like 1920. It's a West Coast, but and he filed it, and it looks like the day it came off the showroom floor, and it's pretty intimidating. So I got to pick that up today. So as an arborist, leading us into so many neat things we get to do, it's kind of it's kind of going to put us right in pace of what tonight's discussion is going to be. So, um, other than that. Before we introduce them, how you doing over there, Dad? <laughs> I'm good. Mason at this point is three weeks, four weeks, something like that. But we haven't slept more than, you know, a couple hours here and there. But so I shouldn't be handling any saw, period. <laughs> but we're doing we're doing well. The spirits are high. Pamela, my wife, is just she's great. And um, everybody's healthy. So thank you for asking. Awesome. Beautiful family. Beautiful family. Thank you. And I can't. All I can't, right. Let's do it. Can't wait to get. Let's Nathan jump into the fun stuff, Corey. All right. Well, let's bring on our let's bring on our guests, and we're going to continue down the forestry path that we've always been on, but kind of a different spin today. Not not typically, you know, that production talk. Not typically, um, you know, some of the gear that we've we've discussed in the past. But our guests today are Brooke and John from West Dallas, Wisconsin, and I think they have a pretty interesting story about how they're using their tree climbing skills in their day-to-day. So, uh, Brooke and John, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing good. Hi. Hello. <laughs> how, are, how are things over in Wisconsin? Uh, waiting on a storm right now and just uh, hoping, but also not hoping we get the day off work tomorrow. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. No, oh, that's... storm day. That is... If it's a wet storm, you guys are going to be busier than ever, though. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's just a wait-and-see game. So right. t- 
tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know, Brooke, if you want to go first and then we could follow it up with John, but just, just tell us about yourselves. What, what has been your experience with trees and your journey through our boar culture thus far? Yeah. So I took a sidestep in life to get to trees. I originally was working with at-risk youth and youth with behavioral issues. Um, and I did trees as sort of a temporary summer mental health break and then just loved it and didn't leave. So I did a lot of tree climbing mostly, um, big tree climbing, and then did a little bit of subcontracting and uh, I knew that I didn't want to do that forever. So now I'm getting into the consulting world uh, out here in Wisconsin, which has been super awesome, really exciting, and just opening up a whole whole new ton of stuff to learn. Awesome. Yeah, I can see cons- consulting is something that in my 40 years, I maybe should pay a little bit more attention, but I'm still having fun. I'm not ready to consult. I guess. Do we? I think we consult every day, though, Corey. We, I think, in a roundabout way. Yeah, we we really do. I mean, it that's the end of the day because that that's what we're trying to do, right? Is raise the bar, help people, shed the knowledge that we've learned, right? Yeah, awesome. So, John, what about what about you? What what's been your journey thus far? Um, for me, I started working with my dad and his little LLC tree care company. Um, once I was out of high school and could drag brush without complaining about it the entire time. Um, And then did that for about five or six years, went to Milwaukee area technical college up in Mequon during that time, got my associates in horticulture maintenance, and then moved on from working with my dad to where I work now for a private tree care company. You you can say their name because I think Joe and I both know them. It's Wachtell, right? Yeah, both of us work for Wachtell. Okay, yep. what do you do in your day-to-day with Wachtell? Um, I'm a production arborist, so I run the lifts, the bucket trucks, I climb. Um, and then I do some <clears throat> PHC work in the spring and the summer. And But most, most of my time, I think, is better spent climbing and cutting trees. <laughs> we have... The way you said that, we had a, I had an arborist I worked with, and uh, we went and visited Michigan State University's Forestry Club to to show him the way into our urban forestry, arboriculture. And this guy Aaron was sitting back on the couch in the polar bear room, what they call it. And it mm-hmm. came time to him for talk. And I'm not saying this is you, but he goes, "Everybody's talking about how cool it is." You know, I'm more of a plant health care guy. And he goes, "Eh, I kill trees." I'm like, we're, we're trying to talk to these minds right here. We're trying to mold, and that's all he could muster. So you're, the, the, the laid back, Jonathan, the way you said that laid back was like, eh, kill trees. Yeah, just all I just cut trees. So, yeah. but go ahead. I was going to say, so, so did did uh, did you two just came back from? Uh, WAA, Wisconsin Arborist Association Annual Conference, uh, used to be at the KI Convention Center in Green Bay. Um, yep, still is. Oh, it still is. Oh, that's awesome. I could, yeah. we got, yeah. we got some stories we could talk about later. But did, so did did they just talk about killing trees or did they talk about, you know, safety? What, what are kind of some of the trends that, that you learned about this year? Oh, they, they had some really good talks this year. I would say uh, every year there's always a lot of climate change being highlighted. 
um, as a theme in different talks, just about how to select trees with that in mind, um, how to identify drought stress. There was this cool talk on sap flow and how they're measuring the sap flow um, with either drought or water logging and how that's going to play out in the future as climate change um, continues on. So that was cool. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of good stuff. Oak. There it's was the, uh, the sort of oak update, which is always fun and still confusing. <laughs> um, oak update. Yeah, just on oak, like oak decline. Oak. Yeah, oak. You guys got sudden oak death over there too, don't you? Yeah, sudden oak death has kind of just started here, but there's fir oak blight and oak wilt um, and, and all kinds of. All kinds of stuff oak has to worry about. We we could do an episode on just oak someday, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more I, I think it's kind of like you were just saying, the more that we we learn, the more we realize we don't know. Oh yeah. And oak. I got an argument the other day with somebody on oak wilt, and it was more my theory, and I was arguing with professors on their theory, and I. Without telling them I think they're full of crap, I kind of told them they're full of crap. And I'm like, I, I just, I couldn't believe what they were talking about. And I'm like, well, how do you, and it came down to um, anatomy and physiology. We know that xylem goes up. No matter what you do, according to Alex Shigo, xylem goes up. It doesn't go back down. It moves laterally and it comes back down through the foam. That's that's how tree operates. They're like, oh, no, no, oak wilt goes down through the xylem. I'm like. I think we're just going to have to stop talking. I was, I was frustrated. <laughs> I said, well, prove it. Prove me Prove me wrong. I'm like, all right, whatever. So not to get into the weeds too far, but because I think what um, some of the cool things that you're doing is a lot more cooler than me arguing with somebody. So let's <laughs> continue. And let's let's talk about some of those cool things. So John reached out, listener of the podcast, Brooke, I'm sure you are too, right? You've got the tattoo mm -hmm. on your arm. It says discovering forestry. We love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Please tell <laughs> the listeners, and I'll, I'll make sure we include a link to that video in the show notes, but please tell the listeners about what you're doing with your climbing skills and how unique that is to help. Well, you're in the video, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. It's your spar video. Oh, yeah. That one was really fun. So yeah. basically, um, in our free time, just as volunteer work, we are climbing trees to help retrieve young birds of prey. Um, we put them in a bag, send them down, and then um, we help get information with our researcher. And that's Bill Stout. He's sort of the premier bird guy for southeastern Wisconsin. Um, and then we help put the birds back. And we sort of through friend of a friend and someone who works at the Audubon Society, who they all know him really well. They do a lot of bird of prey work. Um, so we just sort of got linked up because he was needing more just help uh, climbing and getting the birds down. So it'll be starting up here soon next month, hopefully with the great horned owls. And we'll go out there and he finds all the nests and we we get them down. Mm -hmm. It is very, very fun. That's how long have you been doing that? That's a it's a it's a really a neat endeavor. How, how long well, have you guys been, been doing it? We did it one season so far. So last year around March, we started helping with the great horned owls, and then did some Cooper's hawks and red tails near the end of the season, which was uh, May ish. 
I forget, <laughs> I forget what month it goes to, but it all kind of blended together. But yeah, so one season so far. What what kind of training do they give? I mean, because you think I, I think birds of prey, owls, eagles, uh, wrapped. Well, that's the best part is that it was very on the job, and um, you know, I think there was there was like a level of trust there that Bill had with us and that we had with him, and then you know, after we got sort of attacked for the first time, he was like, "Oh yeah, that you just you you're used to it now, right? It's okay." <laughs> So yeah, we there is a level of danger there, and we we've been attacked one time by a Cooper's hawk mama. Um, but the you know the real thing we worry about is harming the young birds themselves. So that was that's the main thing that you know there was that tra- on the job training of watching Bill handle them and him showing us how to grab them without hurting them. You know the big owls they've got really meaty claws. You can kind of just grab them um, by their ankles. But the Cooper's hawks have delicate, tiny, tiny uh, little legs. So you have to kind of grab them a different way and be really careful. So that's definitely our number one priority. But everything else is just you're kind of up there and we're there, you know, hearing different calls and asking, you know, is that mom? And Bill's there saying, no, that's dad. And he's got dinner or mom's over there. And Hmm. um, so we're just learning all of this in real time while we're at the nest. Yeah. And just learning the noises they make and everything. So it's uh, it's just very crash course and learning while you're right there with the birds so did they have so what is it bill you're talking about did he he climb himself before you started helping yep yeah without any any climbing experience uh no i mean he had i don't know i don't know that he's done like commercial tree work but he's been doing birds his whole life um and so he climbs old school style but he is very comfortable with that um i think just as he's getting older and busier he's just been more you know welcoming all the help that he can get Mm -hmm. so but he's still i mean he's out there climbing a a nest you know climbing up to a nest almost every day during the season for it and we right. just help when we have extra time yeah rocking a blake's hitch doing the old hip thrusting to get up yeah it's uh yeah that's why we try to help him as much as we can because it's yeah. definitely an old school setup yeah good, good for him though for for still doing that you know as as you're kind of talking about it's it's trial by fire and, and kind of learning on the job the only thing going through my mind uh was ppe i mean you know what is it the normal stuff you think you'd have a face mask you think you'd have extra thick like leather sleeves what what are you wearing what are you climbing with in a tree to move these birds of prey out so so bill's got a um hockey goalie mask that he'll wear um (laughs) but for us it's uh you know your typical ppe with safety glasses helmet and gloves um yeah, sometimes if I'm worried, I'll wear the like snow goggles. Um, yeah, and I'm in long sleeves, but yeah, we just kind of it's kind of one of those you're just gonna bomb out if mom mm-hmm. comes after you. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest bird you had to go grab? What do you I, I seen your I watched your video and it's actually amazing. I don't know if you had a GoPro on your helmet or whatever. So yeah, you're stuffing them in a bubble. Now what there's a that owl was beautiful. So you grabbed it, you gentle, it was beautiful how you handled it. But that's they got to be some bigger birds that you grabbed. Well, yeah, they're I would those ones in the video were 
on the older side like more around 30 to 35 days and i mean they're still really light because they're birds right but they're actually pretty powerful um like if you grab them they can start to try to fly away from you and pull you know pull on your arm and they can be hard to handle um so and then their wingspan gets huge if they don't want to go into the bag we put them in it's it's kind (laughs) of hard um so yeah they can they can fight you a little bit but i think the young the young birds are just they're still pretty easy to maneuver you know they're not they they will close their their claws and so if you get your finger there just right yeah. it'll puncture <laughs> you and hurt it's not any worse than a hawthorn yeah it is though. probably the same as a hawthorn right. <laughs> but they're not actively right. trying to attack you so and and what are what are what are they doing with these birds that you're that you're essentially removing from the canopy where are they going what's the cause what's all that about so we're tracking population we're tracking avian flu it's big right now yeah which is kind of yeah the the big ticket item um we're checking sex we're checking uh, on the cooper's hawks we actually draw blood to see um genetic uh, relationships between you know different nests in the area um along with the just other diseases um and their health overall and then they get two different bands that they'll wear for life um that can just be you know seen when you get close enough to them one band is from the government and has you know a number that they keep track of and the other band is bill's um own tag and that will be color coded for the sex of the bird um and then they can keep track of them when they're in the area so the, the goal is that you know you can check up on them in a couple of years two three years whatever and see the health of it and all that yeah well and they as to my knowledge we're not really trying to like capture them again to check on their health you know you're getting all that information it's trying to be as minimally invasive as possible um into the bird's life but with that band having that tag on it and they um bill uses super high powered you know telescopes and everything um to see them actually from pretty darn far away Mm. um but they can check okay is this the same bird that is using the same nest or did we find this bird with the same tag way over here where we weren't expecting so that's more of the long-term tracking um, but checking, you know, checking its health and taking measurements of it and everything is more just that one time. Um, and usually that's pretty quick. We're all said and done within, you know, an hour, maybe three hours if there's six babies in the nest. Um, but it's we try to be very minimally invasive. It, it's amazing. You know, you think about as, you know, Corey and I spend most of our living and breathing time we're looking at insects and diseases and parasites and stuff that affect trees. You don't realize that everything in nature is susceptible to something. So doing this work and in, in maintaining the, you know, the, the wildlife, the, the fauna out there, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, everybody yeah. needs a little bit of help in, in this world these days. And I guess there's raptors are no different. Yep. We've been talking a lot just about, that intersection between trees and the wildlife. And I feel like it's been a, 
it's been a theme at the conferences, even, you know, talking about keeping habitats open and maybe, you know, cavities and keeping dead snags are actually great for our ecosystem for things like birds. Um, and the more that we're kind of keeping all of those facts in our minds and sharing our information and, you know, working across uh, fields like this, it will actually kind of help all of us in the long run. And that's, that's education okay, for everybody. And if you think about it, Joe, you, you remember when they first started talking about leaving wildlife trees, you know, there was this delicate balance between what's the habitat that this particular animal needs and then what's the safety or what's the human aspect of it. So to see this interface, and as you just said, the intersection between all this coming together, it's kind of cool. And I think it's a it's I think it should be mandatory in certain situations because we got so dead set in our arbor culture that it's all about aesthetics. Where um, I just did this the other day or last year, this lady had a like a silver maple next to her driveway. This the lead that was about ten foot tall. It was going straight up, but there was something living in it. And I told her, I says, even if this falls, it ain't gonna hurt nothing. Why do you want to take this out? Let's let's let it take its course and eventually she believed it and she's like, Oh, okay. I can do that. So I'm like, and she called me, Oh, this is dead branch. I'm like, well, yeah, trees have dead branches. And, you know, I guess evaluating it and making sure, because who knows what type of um, bird was in that could have been a little woodpecker. I don't know. Why would you want to get rid of his little house? Poor little fellows come back with a worm and his condo's <laughs> gone. Yeah. And many people are surprised to learn that it's actually, a, there are many birds that it is illegal to disturb their nest if they're using it and not just, uh, you know, birds of prey or endangered birds, but a lot of songbirds. Um, so it's just a friendly reminder for everyone to check that out wherever their, their state is. See uh, what the DNR says about protecting those birds. That is a great point. And I know in Michigan, it's a t brown eared bat, I think is endangered. Oh. There's, there's certain times of the year, certain oak trees, I think that you got to be careful about removing or pruning because the bats are hibernating in them. Hmm. See, that back to the oak trees. Can... Back to the yeah, oak trees. Yeah, that'd be very annoying, especially <laughs> for the winter around here. Oh, oh yeah, because yeah, you're out there pruning all the oaks now, so you don't get yeah. all the other oak trees. Oh, we got to push it off to next year. Bat flies sorry. out at you. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got a, I've got a question. This can, We can kind of go around the horn on, on this one, and it's, it's one that's kind of it's been weighing on my mind a little bit. And my wife, Pamela, kind of asked me, what are some of the strangest things? It could be a bird, a kite. What are some of the strangest things that you all or us all as, as climbing arborists um, and technicians, what are some of the strangest things that you pulled out of a tree? I, I had I had a call not too long ago um, for a friend who needed me to get a drone out of a tree. <laughs> So what I'd be curious, what, what are some things you're seeing out there too? You got it. I, I have pulled a very expensive drone out of a tree. Um, it didn't, I don't think it ended well for the drone, which was really sad. And they still paid me, which was nice. Um, but as far as crazy stuff, nothing really beats the birds and just dead animals in general. Mm -hmm. You know, finding a severed bunny head in a tree is sticks with That's you cool. yeah well it's up there obviously a, a predator brought it up there for later a little snack yeah i think i've seen a living animal i had a raccoon in a tree once a long time ago that scared it 
the that scared me. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've heard fun. a story about a steel chainsaw going through a sleeping raccoon, and oh, gosh, they were using the top side of the uh, the, the bar, so it sprayed right at them. Um, but on a happier note, I've seen a raccoon scurry out of a snag and leap to the ground from like five feet up and his big belly just plopped and he ran off into the woods. Um, belly flop in the tree. Yeah, a little, little belly flop. I think he misjudged the, the distance. He was doing great for the first 30 feet, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's about all I got there. I think that's a that would be a good. You guys should put a a, um, uh, a notice for next year's WAA on what you're doing in other things because there's a skill set to work at height height and you got to have. It's not just arboriculture and you're proving it. There's so many other things that the knowledge and skill set that we have as uh, practice practitioners off the ground. Um, that would make a great presentation at a conference um, to having that offered as services within your company. Mm. You know, everybody's like, oh, we'll, we'll cut them down and we prune them. You know, give me a call. And you could have all those listed on your website of services. You may get one or two a year, but just, I think the public perception when you offer that is kind of a really holistic approach to, um, managing and taking care of um the trees and having a skill set to work at height safely yeah i like that so, idea well and like you know so, sometimes sometimes people will ascend a tree to fix you know signs or parts of you know even access a building if they can't with a ladder or um i remember being at a state park once near where we went to school in wisconsin at stevens point and this was near um near kind of a, a river and there was a picnic table about 10, 12 feet up in a tree because what had happened is that that water came in the spring, some record flood, you know, a million years ago, put this picnic table up in the tree and that was kind of an attraction, but they had to make sure that it was in safely and all that. Mm -hmm. So Joe, you're right. There is, there is a certain skill and, and mindset that you have to have in order to approach something like that, especially safe. So <laughs> uh, not not with Wachtel, but at a company I worked for in Colorado, um, we had a client pay us to install bat boxes on their property. And just yeah, another great example of a service that's really pretty straightforward that uh, we as climbers could be could be advertising for. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, what do you got? No, I was thinking about things that we, you know, finding a tree and going up and rescuing. Um <laughs> Michigan State University, uh, they got their their tree care crew, their arborist on campus, was taking down a, oh God, I don't remember what tree species it was, but they were taking part of the canopy out and they were chipping it up. And next thing you know, the chipper exploded. I'm talking mm. to here, boom, 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 and the drum just swelled up. And, blew it. and they're like, oh my God, what was it? So they tore it all apart. There was a big steel ball that oh. was in the tree. That back in the early 1900s, someone had thrown a hammer ball. You know those hammer throw balls with the oh. chain and thing? I guess they threw it in the tree. They never got it out, and the tree grew over wow. it. Hmm. And as these guys are cleaning out the canopy, and they threw the branch through the chipper, it was inside that. And 
destroyed a chipper in within seconds. And the the neat thing is that they gave me that ball for the museum. It's just this chewed up. Used to be this big, now it's this big, and you know, seventy thousand dollar chippers sitting over in the grass, just waiting for scrap. But <laughs> John and Brooke, you, you both have inspired us, and I know you'll be inspiring our listeners when this comes out. But kind of the the final question that I have for you, and once again, we'll go one at a time, is if you could give any advice to somebody, what would it be? It could be career, it could be otherwise. What would it be? Maybe something along the lines of don't be afraid to change careers if you don't if you don't feel that your passion has carried through. Well, that's that's a super wordy way of just saying do what you like hmm. in all aspects of life. Just that's, that's if, a little reductive though. How? now we're gonna have this philosophical debate about this for the rest of the night but uh, but my advice is gonna be do 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 what you enjoy if you're not enjoying what you're doing make a change Mm -hmm. changing careers every decade or so could be beneficial to your mental health if it's if it feels like you've kind of hit a plateau in your career or life um getting a new perspective or a new outlook um that's that could be helpful don't get stuck in a rut yes yeah i like that like like hashtag don't get stuck in a rut (laughs) avoid the rut oh there you go yeah that's even better not just during deer season in wisconsin (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that's awesome well all i can say is keep up the great work um it's very important to find uh your path and we've we've talked about it on the podcast so many times about some people are meant to serve in this industry you know you just know when you meet somebody that's supposed to be here in the green industry and i think you both have that 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 spark that looks like you're both in the right spot so keep up the great work thanks joe awesome yeah hey thank you both for being on this episode thank you for everything you're doing to give back and raise the bar in the industry. And thanks to the listeners for tuning in for another one. So uh, hopefully y'all have a good safe day and that everybody kind of weathers the storm together and in a good way. So thank y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, great topic today. Yes. And lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing Signing out. out.